Hey everybody, uh, Blake with Marvel.com here. Uh, we have a very, very special episode of the podcast today. Uh, myself and Mark Strom stopped by the set of The Defenders a while back. Uh, we got to chat with Simone Missick, who plays Misty Knight, Deborah Ann Wool, who plays Karen Page. We talked to Philip Silvera, the fight coordinator. Uh, we talked to Lauren Weeks, the production designer. And we also talked to Stephanie Mazlansky, the costume designer. So stay tuned. So, uh, we'll just talk for like five minutes. Okay, yeah, um, cool. Am I good with it here, or you want to... Yeah, you're good here. Okay. Um, I guess, so, my first question is, last time we spoke, it was before the show was coming out. Yeah. I'm sure things have changed for you. Just a little bit. What's it like walking down the street? It's interesting. Um, I am a person who just likes to just be Simone. <laughs> and so I have a lot of people who recognize me, which is great, especially in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, I live in Brooklyn, and so people are always like, hey, are you Misty Knight? <laughs> oh my God, you're the girl from, yes. So that's always fun, and in the airport. So if I'm running late to catch a flight, people are extra nice to me because they recognize me from the show. And then I also have people who want to know, you know, when are you going to get the arm? and. They really think I'm going to tell them in the grocery store, like, actually, it's happening episode four. So, yeah. It's just, it's been good, though. It's been great. It's not, um, it's not weird, and it's not overwhelming. It's not, like, Beyonce-level fame. It's not like, yet, at least, it's, right? No, not at all. It's, like, <laughs> it's good. It's good. It's nice, nice. I can manage it. So, tell me, I mean, as much as you can tell me since it's Marvel, yeah. where do you play a part in the Defender series. I'm there. You're there. I'm there. <laughs> I'm there a lot and then not. Um, you know, Misty is a, <coughs> excuse me, she's a cop. And so as much as that plays into the storyline, she's there. Um, but, you know, this. I think that this series is really cool because you do get to see the four really come together. and. Mm-hmm. You, you have that, that common villain that they're all, you know, going after. And so you see a lot of us, you know, coming in and out of the series who we know um, from Daredevil and Jessica and Luke. You know, you see all those people interwoven in there. And so I'm, there's like a peppering of Misty. <laughs> so obviously one of the great parts of Luke Cage was like Harlem was such like, I guess, a protagonist of the yeah. story. Is Harlem involved in... Defenders? Yeah, Harlem is involved in Defenders. Uh, Luke comes back straight out of out of the the pokey and goes right back to where his home. Mm-hmm. And so that's how you kind of find him getting back into the swing of things. And that's where he and Misty meet up, but not meet up for anything weird like <laughs> coffee. They just meet up and have a conversation. Um, and then that kind of sets things off onto a, a chain of events that, you know, culminates into all the exciting things in Defenders. So, yeah, you definitely see Harlem, but it's it's not the Luke Cage story, so you don't see it as much as you do in, you know, Elsie. Speaking of the, like, asking about the arm, yeah, I have people asking me on your behalf if you and Iron Fist have coffee. Ah. So I don't know if you've had that question. Yes, I have. I've had that question if if we've had coffee. I've had um, fans who, you know, tweet me all the old comic books like, is this happening? <laughs> like, is this happening now? I've had people who, I'm, I mean, I was in Atlanta and somebody was like, are you there shooting this for Marvel? And I was like, I'm, that's where my family is. I'm just 
hanging out with the folks. Like, so yeah, I have had the Iron Fist questions and people will have to tune in to find out one way or the other. The other thing too, obviously music was such a big part of it. What about this for this series? Um, You know, I think that Cheo as, as the creator of Luke Cage really, like that was a big part of it. But I think that, um, and I think every show has its own color. Mm-hmm. And with the Defenders, it's his own thing. So there is music, but it's not. It doesn't. It's not an integral character like it was in Luke Cage. But you do have those moments where it's like, and now it's time to kick butt, and this is the needle drop, and everybody will get excited. So yeah. Awesome. yeah. Last question. Anything? Uh, anything else you can mention about the show without without giving us in anything trouble? away? Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna be honest. I get that question, that answer every time. No. Well, thanks, Simone. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Always great to be here. Oh. So, uh, the uh, I guess the last time we talked was mm-hmm. on the set of Daredevil season two, and I okay. think we only talked about Dungeons and Dragons. Is that all we talked? That yeah. it would be That's a all we could talk fine about podcast to do again. I would say. So I'm curious. <laughs> Anything new with Dungeons and Dragons? New? I don't know. They uh, they upgraded the Ranger class. If you have, <laughs> I have no attention. idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm a Ranger in my current game, so they like did some rearranging of how all that works. So you do? Okay, yeah, cool. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's the big news for me. <laughs> um, I have no response question to that. Um, I ran Cloud Giants bar- uh, Bargain, which some nerds out there will know what that is. So that was a fun campaign. Um, again, nothing. Uh, uh, what, what's the experience been like? Cause you're, you're doing double duty yeah. for Punisher and Defenders. Yeah. You must be exhausted. Well, actually you, you caught me right in the middle of, I'm, I'm four days on, uh, on Punisher and then one day in the middle of it with group therapy. So it's like, that actually hasn't happened yet. It's been pretty good, like one and then the other. And this is the first time that it's overlapped. Mm-hmm. So I had to do this like 180 whip around today to try to remember, oh, right. Okay. It's like six months earlier everything's different this hasn't happened yet you know and um i've heard rumors that you and i mean punishers is such a dark mm. deep show but you guys have a lot of fun on set yeah how's what's the dynamic like there i mean i mean one obviously like any action show you're getting to do these kind of cool sequences and things like that so that's always fun um you know and when you have a really great stunt team that always helps and uh I don't know. I mean, I I adore John Bernthal. Mm-hmm. So, like, any day I get to work with him is great. And we've had Jeffrey Cantor on to uh, reprise his role as Ellison. So we've had some fun days goofing around with him. But, yeah, we have a really good time. What can fans uh, – what can you tease that fans will enjoy for, mm-hmm. uh, upcoming for, for Defenders? Um, Let's see. I mean, I would tease that, you know, obviously Punisher is all about the brawn and the the strategy that he has, the, mm. the training that he has. But I think you'll be surprised to see sort of how much he uses his brain, how intelligent he is, and how careful. That's been a really interesting aspect to the series. And for, where, again, what you can tell us without mm-hmm. getting in trouble, where do you, where are you involved in the Defenders well, family. oh, in the Defenders family. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Defenders family. Yeah, I mean, as as we said in the other interview, um, you know, I sort of as part of a support team, I'd say. Um, I mean, Karen's kind of off doing her own thing, but because she knows Matt and she's been involved with the hand and Daredevil before, they're, you know, they're concerned that 
you know, her her life might be at risk. So mm-hmm. she sort of gets brought into it and being the curious nature, can't sort of let the story go. And I, I have to ask, because I was backstage at New York Comic Con and yeah. that was insane. <laughs> like with Sigourney Weaver just yes. running around. What was the experience like for you? Well, it was nice. So I'm I am a giant fan of hers, and I am also a huge fan of Alfre Woodard's. And I've had the opportunity to try and introduce myself to Alfre a couple of times, <laughs> and I've been too scared to. I have not gotten the courage to go up and introduce myself. So I was sitting backstage at Comic-Con, and Sigourney was like two seats over, and I was like, just do it. Just do it. It's okay. She's a normal human being. You're fine. So I sort of leaned over and I went, hi, welcome to the team. And she's like, oh, she just looked so happy that like someone was talking to her and not afraid of her. And uh, she goes, oh, who's that? And what happened with them? We started talking about the shows. Well, being like, obviously, I mean, Dungeons and Dragons, you're a fan of, you know, the nerd stuff. Yeah. Neat, there- niche stuff. I, I don't know. I'm not a comic book person or Star Trek or anything. So I, there are areas that I know nothing about. I know so many celebrities that love Daredevil mm-hmm. so much. They've seen it like four times. Is that true? A lot. Yeah. That's Has cool. there been an experience where someone you've loved besides that has come up to you and just freaked out about the show? Um, hmm. I don't know. I, I, I will say I, you know, I barely worked with Vincent D'Onofrio that first season. And I mean, he's just such an inspiring performer and he has been so supportive of, mm-hmm. of me and of the show on of social media and whenever we see him and I'm just I'm blown away because I was like I I feel like we barely work together and yet you've been such a fan of what we've done and you know he's just such a gracious person anything else you can tease about defenders before we go hmm well I mean I think you're gonna get exactly out of it what you want which is these four badass guys just getting together and defending New York mm. so it's awesome yeah it's gonna be thanks cool. to everyone we appreciate okay. it thanks <laughs> all right uh, <laughs> Same answer, same let's questions. See if I can get, let me see if I can do the same ones correctly. Yeah. Um, are we rolling? Yeah. All right. Um, well, thanks for taking the time. Yeah. Uh, I guess, so take us through, you mentioned earlier in a previous interview that you've worked on pretty much most of the Marvel television shows. Kind of go through a list of, of those really briefly. Sure. Uh, when I first started working on the Marvel shows, the first one that I worked on was Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I was doing the fight choreography. Uh, in between, I started midway through season one, did all of season two, and then uh, actually went off to go do work on a feature, uh, Underworld, with Theo James and Kate Beckinsale in uh, Prague for about a year. And then I came back and I helped finish up uh, the last few episodes of season three. From there, I went on to go do Marvel's Most Wanted with Adrian Palicki. And then uh, I had an opportunity to come out and start working on Defenders. Is, uh, or any of the actors... the that were, did you try to did they really want to do their own stunts was there any like I know Clark and Ming always love to yeah, be involved uh, Clark Ming Chloe Adrian when, especially when they were on S.H.I.E.L.D. they were always so down to do it Clark is actually a black belt in Brazilian oh I didn't know that yeah which is really awesome he's super super talented in that so we really wanted to utilize you know that and with Agent Coulson and it was just it was always really fun to do that kind of stuff with him uh, Ming has, you know, so so much action, and her ability. I mean, she she was Chung Lee, you know, a street oh, yeah. fighter. So she was, uh, you know, she's had great experience doing martial art action. So being able to take her skills and, um, you know, utilize it in the show is amazing. And then Chloe Bennett, who I'm a huge fan of because she came into the series not ha- having zero uh, martial art training. So, um, you know, she was just very dedicated to. She came up to me and said, "Hey, I, I really wanted to." A lot of my own action what do I have to do to get ready and we basically put her through superhero training to get her ready to go 
and she just worked her butt off. I mean, just hours and hours and hours a day. And we got some, when she really started doing action in about midway through season two, she had some of the best fights on the series. Uh, the one where she they're storming the Hydra facility and she does, it's basically we were doing, everyone came up with the idea of the, the one-er all, all at the same time seemingly. And we did our own version of it, you know, where she's taking out a bunch of Hydra agents. Um, and she did it all herself. Like that was all her. All the roles, all the jumps, all the movements was all her. So big, big fan of Chloe and she did great doing it. I've always heard rumors, especially like say people like Tom Cruise who like want to do so many stunts and people have to t tell him like, no, you got to back off. Does that happen a lot as well? Um, it, it does happen a little bit, but we try to make everything as safe as possible. Well, no, we make everything as safe as possible for the actors. If of there's course. anything that, you know, we don't feel that is safe, uh, we won't let them do it because stunts by nature is... Uh, taking calculated risks so we take you know we we set up a gag we look at it and make it as you know safe as possible and then we take that risk and normally uh, for the most part we will never put you know the actors into the positions that are that are, are potentially dangerous mm -hmm. but it is true like Tom Cruise and Keanu Reeves you know they they put uh, they have the ability that say nope I want to do this and then the actor the stunt team puts it together to make it safe enough for them to do but at the end of the day it really is them training to do it who uh from the defenders cast has had learned the most throughout this process Oof. um you know everybody's had a different level of experience i think you know charlie has done a lot of uh so much you know boxing training and he actually do uh, some pretty sweet parkour moves actually that you that even surprised me i'm like he had a, a very great sense of uh air awareness um i think you know, Mike Coulter, just with his ability to and his experience in prior uh, movies, had a great boxing and punching and choreography experience. Finn went on a crash course of, you know, kung fu, uh, just crazy kung fu-ness in Iron Fist. I mean, he did so much, like, training in kung fu, so that really upped his level. And Kristen has uh, gone through yeah, a lot of just action fight training as well. So the they all have good levels of ability to start with, which really helps the stunt team. Mm -hmm. I've heard in your last interview, and this one too, you bring a lot of 80s references <laughs> into this. Is uh, Was that like the era that started all the, the good stunts? Well, the thing is, I think that there's something different about the 80s, 90s movies because there was no CGI. You, mm -hmm. could, you had nothing that, oh, you fix that in post. It's like, not back then you couldn't. Like there, there were certain things that if you wanted it in your film, you really had to do it. There's no, there's no cheating it. There's no saying, oh, well, we'll just shoot it on a green screen and see how that goes. So when you kind of look at the, um, you know, the, the purity of a, a Jackie Chan movie, and uh, you know, they really had to take those hits. And you look at it, and it's just these brutal wide shots of people going through glass and hitting concrete and just folding in two. And you're like, wow, that was amazing. And the American version of it, you know, Dukes of Hazard, like those aren't CGI cars. They're really doing that. You look at Blues Brothers crashing hundreds and hundreds of cars, and like that's that was some insane stunts and some very talented, crazy people. Were there any films that you remember growing up watching that made you want to do this? Um, when when I was growing up, I mean, for me, I I loved. I mean, one of my favorite movies was Bloodsport and Karate Kid and Ninja Turtles. Like those movies were were my favorite movies, but you know, as I grew older, you know, looking at, uh, you know, Armor of God 2 and um, movie Meals on Wheels, you know, uh, Sam O. Hung, Yin Bu, like those guys were my favorites. And, uh, um, you know, nowadays it's it's like, I don't know, I'm trying to think. Donnie Yen is one of my favorite 
uh, performers nowadays because he still carries through that kind of that action of the the performers and the actual actors doing it. Mm -hmm. And like, if I had your job, I'd want to do if if former actors, not really former, but actors in the past, like I'd want to work with Steven Seagal or uh, Jean Claude Van Damme, mm -hmm. who would be like your bucket list then and now. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, let me. I, I think actually working with Jackie Chan, I think would be just an amazing thing to work with, amazing person to work with because of his experience level and all the, everywhere where he's been, it's just got to be just crazy. I guess in today, Donnie Yen would be the guy as well. Uh, you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme and Steven Seagal, I mean, I loved watching their movies growing up. Not, not exactly sure, you know, how I would be working with them. Uh, cause I've heard, you know, just there's, everybody has their own path that they take. I'll want to say that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have a story. I can't say it on the uh, podcast. A lot of but, people uh, have stories they yeah. can't say on podcasts. We have to cut that part out. <laughs> um, well, I guess my last question is: What can you say uh, to tease fans who are about to watch Defenders for action-wise? What what are they looking forward to? I think uh, the, some of the best stuff in the Defenders is really going to be seeing how unique all these four superheroes coming together is going to be. Uh, you know the way that they that they work as a team and how they don't work as a team and you know what are, what are the benefits of all those powers coming together in one area all at once uh, so that's that's one of the things that we're most excited about there's there's great villains you know that it's not like they're just fighting you know uh, what we'll call what we'll call putties you know just background guys you know flying left and right it's just every Everybody like the Power Rangers? Well, yeah. Well, we always call the, the the background people who just literally run up and get hit in the chest and die. Like we, we've we've tried to avoid the the putty situation, um, or what I call <laughs> another reference, a Jedi front kick, which is basically we can't hit anybody with a lightsaber, but we can sure as heck hit him with a front kick to the chest. So uh, we we tried very hard to avoid the the you know putties and Jedi front kicks, uh, so they could look forward to that. I'm loving all these references, man. Yeah. Straight right in my wheelhouse. Um, thanks for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, guys. Have a good one. Uh, my pleasure. Uh, so my first question, I was going through your IMDb. Okay. And I know you're all you're in the superhero world now. Yeah. The thing I could find that was only similar was Tales from the Crypt. You did one episode? <laughs> I did one episode. Oh, my gosh. That was so long ago. Was it? Uh, am I wrong? Is there other things kind of in the same vein that you've done before you gotten into it I mean let's face it there's always a hero in every television show. Well, that's fair <laughs> there has to be there has to be the good guy even if it's uh, you know vague you know he's sort of got bad and good I mean I really loved I, lo I really loved working on white collar I loved that character because of his his goodness was very ambiguous and that's I mean I I really love working uh, on shows where the character is flawed and mm -hmm. you know which makes him or her very much more human and uh, that's one of the wonderful things about working on these Marvel shows these characters are quite human and they're very flawed and, and uh, they don't neglect to write that stuff in you know? and it, 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 it makes it makes me connect to them more and I believe it makes the audience connect to them more and the thing I find fascinating about the whole Marvel thing is the fan reaction to pretty much everything mm -hmm. is always huge. <laughs> yes. For in your experience, what's it been like with, with that attitude? 
I I feel very fortunate. I've I've that the, the fans have, as far as I can see, they've reacted quite positively to what we've been doing, at least as far as costumes are concerned. I haven't read anything that makes me go, oh my God, that's <laughs> so mean, um, at all. I mean, they've they've been quite pleased with how we've uh, taken these characters and translated their illustrations into a modern day heroic look or even some of the, you know, even the secondary characters. I, I'm really appreciating the fans have been able to get behind it and support it and uh, be okay with it. Because you really, I mean, there's a big difference between illustrating, you know, a drawing and, uh, you know, what a, what a person's able to wear in, in, in reality. Um, I had some real fun, for example, on Iron Fist, there were a few characters that I was uh, I was asked to pitch as far as their uh, their looks were concerned, and they were Marvel characters um, from from com from the comics. And um, my job, of course, was to evolve their looks into something that was uh, that could be connected to or associated with um, by fans that they would accept. It sounds like you dove really deep into the subject matter for these shows. I do. It's it's part of what a costume designer mm -hmm. loves to do. You really, you know, and, th and this is part of the challenge. Um, basing all of these characters are based on characters that exist, and um, you know there are many ways to um, peel the orange, as it were. And, and this is, you know, what I chose to do is really dive into these characters, read about them, see how they looked and then see how close I can get to them, but at the same time, bring them into the 21st century, mm -hmm. into a world in which it works in, in these TV series with the philosophy that they have about it being grounded, and then also something that the fans will, will relate to and, and enjoy and be happy with. And I, I mean, we've spoken to you before, like last year, and I think you mentioned you, there is collaboration with the actors to an oh, extent. Yeah. And you hear all these horror stories in Hollywood about like awful costumes and stuff. So it's good to hear you guys are working together to make them as comfortable as possible. Absolutely, I I, I feel you know these are human beings mm -hmm. and that have to wear these things. And certainly, if you're putting somebody into a and you know a, a 19th or an 18th century corset, that's never going to be comfortable. And you have to kind of roll with the punches. But this is modern times, and they have to move and they have to. There's stunts involved. There's stunt people involved. Um, I my goal is to make people as comfortable as they possibly can, and I also just take into consideration what kind of ideas and uh, thoughts that the actors might have. I mean, they're playing these characters. This isn't a commercial. It's not you know. It's not like they need to stay silent and listen to the art director. Mm -hmm. You know, from the advertising company that's not what this is all about everybody has something to bring to the character and um, it's the collaboration is something that's extremely important to me and I think to most people who are in this film business um, we all love we all you know we for the most part we work well with other people we have to if you don't you need to find another job <laughs> <laughs> I, I've also heard a lot of stories where some actors like they they rely so much on the costumes to get into character mm -hmm. Has there been any experience with that with these actors on the, the Marvel shows? Absolutely, absolutely. We 
when we do our fittings first you know the, the first thing that we do is we like I said there's a lot of meetings to discuss these characters to discuss the show to discuss the episode to, um, to discuss colors and tones and palettes and and where it's going to take place and the season there are just so many so many variables that need to be discussed and thought about and honored and um, and that of course does include conversations with the actors themselves uh, particularly the more key actors mm -hmm. um, but I've, I've been known to have conversations with certain day players too it's it's often important and sometimes they have something that they very valid that they have to offer or say and I like to take it into consideration and I like to, if I have to say no to something or if I feel like I disagree, I want to have a good reason mm -hmm. that they can understand. Um, and so it's it always, it for the most part, I've had very good dialogue about costumes. And then the, the beautiful moment is doing, doing fittings and watching an actor put on a costume and look in the mirror and go, ah, yeah, that's, that's the direction we're going in. And it's, it's just a really good feeling. That's amazing. And I've heard you also mentioned uh, last time that some of actors' clothes are actually your clothes. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I have a vast collection of, of stuff that uh, I've been collecting over the years. Um, most of it is upstairs in my costume shop <laughs> at this point. And, um, and so every costume, you know, often a costume has... A little piece of something of mine personally whether it be a piece of jewelry or a blouse or a handbag or you know even you know I have a lot of men's clothes too so um, you know I for some reason uh, I have a crazy good memory for what I own and often I'll be doing a uh, character and I'll think oh yes that red blouse with the blue polka dots <laughs> that will be perfect and I send somebody on a mission to go find it in our in our racks and and it either works or it doesn't, but it's something that has to be tried. Has, it's any, stuck in my head. has anything gone missing? Like, the, have the actors <laughs> stolen anything? Or? Oh, I can't say. <laughs> Certainly, there have been actors that really love their wardrobe and would love to buy it or, or have it, or you know. And that's, I mean, I work for a, I work for a company and a corporation, and you know, everything is owned by Marvel, so I, I, I have to say no, but I say it nicely. <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, finally, I mean, from your perspective, what can you tease uh, for for defenders? Oh, what can I tease? Um, well, I just love. I mean, there. I think there has. There's got to be something said for working on villains. There. And somebody pointed this out in Luke Cage. They're always dressed well. <laughs> Why? Because they want and collect money and. You know, you get a lot of money and you want to spend it on nice things. So, almost, I'd say 98% of the time, villains have to have very spe special, distinct looks, which we either build from scratch or partially build or um, modify in some way. Um, at any rate, it's really, 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 really fun to put clothes together for the bad guys. In particular, I mean, it, it's a different type of a challenge and one that allows me to play with really beautiful, artful clothing. And oftentimes build it from scratch, which we did a lot of for uh, Sigourney's character. We did a lot of modification of, of clothing um, for Madame Gao's character. She's one of my favorites. And I really hope that uh, 
she continues to survive. <laughs> she's quite a few thousand years old already, and I'm, I'm just hoping that she's like a cockroach and just continues to carry on through the Marvel series. Um, so, I mean, that I think you know, I, I would I would have to say uh, watch out for watch out for Sigourney's clothes. I, I'm really it was really a treat to work with her, and it was really a treat to do the kind of closet that we did for her. So that's. That's my tease. Well, that's yeah. awesome. Thanks so much for taking the time. We appreciate it. My pleasure. It. My pleasure. Hey, this week in Marvelites, this is Marvel.com editor Mark Strom here. We're on the set of The Defenders, Marvel's The Defenders, with Lauren Weeps, production designer. And so you've been with the Marvel Netflix shows since the first season of Marvel's Daredevil. You've done the first season of all of the shows. I'm curious. Um, I know when talking with people about Defenders specifically in the first two episodes directed by S.J. Clarkson, she, they talked about how she developed a specific color palette for each character um, within the show, within this show, now that they're all mean together. On the flip side of that, from your perspective, is there sort of a um, production design palette for each character because obviously you established the look of each of these characters worlds already so now when you are bringing them all together are there certain architectural or structural elements that you associate with each character and their worlds in this series no i wouldn't say that um there there are um architectural well yeah there are there are um, I see what you're saying. Yes, actually there are. I mean, each, I think each series um, has sort of a distinctive uh, architectural look to it. And a lot of that's based on the, the uh, environment community they're set in. Mm-hmm. You know, Daredevil is Hell's Kitchen. Daredevil and Jessica Jones are Hell's Kitchen. Luke Cage is Harlem. Um, and uh, Iron Fist is more the, the corporate role, world, the world of billionaires. So there is a distinctiveness between each of those. I mean, is it something where, when you started working on Daredevil, did you have an eye towards, you know, uh, the world you were building was sort of a world that the other shows would then have to live in? Was there any, like, thought towards, like, making sure that, like, everything seemed of the same cloth? No. Um, you know, I was hired to do Daredevil, mm-hmm. and, and that was it. <laughs> uh, um, and my job was to do that show to the best of my ability to support the narrative there, to support the, the showrunner's vision. Um, there was no real, at point, that time, any real concern about the other shows. Mm-hmm. That was, as far as I was concerned, that wasn't my problem. So, <laughs> and that became your problem. And then it became my problem. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, then as you popped on to each show, yeah. was there any, like, sort of continuing that thought, like, when you starred Jessica Jones, did you sort of have to look back at what you did at Daredevil, particularly since they are both set in Hell's Kitchen, to sort of make sure that the two matched up? Yes, absolutely. Um, whenever... But also to try to have its own identity, yes. which was a bit of a struggle when you're in the same neighborhood. You know, the whole thing about all these shows is that uh, approaching each one as I progressed, you want to keep 
it feeling of it's of the same New York, mm-hmm. um, but you're trying to give it each its own look. So with Jessica Jones, uh, use a lot of the same sort of colors and looks when she's in Hell's Kitchen proper. But Jessica, because she's a private detective, she travels outside of Hell's Kitchen. So that opened that up a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but whenever we're back in Hell's Kitchen, we try to keep that same kind of identity uh, look that we established in Daredevil. Mm-hmm. And I was just listening to uh, an interview you did earlier with the Women of Marvel podcast, and you mentioned how you know you were a lifelong Marvel fan and grew up on Daredevil and all that. And oh, excuse me, there almost had a sneeze. <laughs> um, <laughs> Blake is shaking his head in the background at me. Um, you know, coming into this, how much did you draw from the comics when you were creating these worlds? Uh, well, when I did the interview with um, uh, Stephen tonight, um, I went in there with... Who, who was the showrunner on the first season of right, Marvel's Daredevil. Right. I went in there really with um, uh, the Maliv Benda series of Daredevil mm-hmm. In my very fresh in my mind, um, I loved the color palettes in there. I loved the urban grittiness that they created. You know, it's just beautiful. And a lot of a lot of the pages were kind of a monoch- or a very monochromatic color palette. Mm-hmm. So I had that in mind. And then also um, movies. As you know, Steve and I were talking. It was clear we both were thinking gritty movies, movies of the seventies, you know, French Connection, this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So um, that was a lot of the. The, the starting point for that show. I mean, is that something, uh, just in terms of your career as as a production designer, obviously, you know, you mentioned you studied, you know, film and architecture and, and all that. What are, for you, when you come on to a new show, what are some of the most common touchstones you look towards is it sort of past films is it sort of historical architecture or does it vary from project to project it'll vary from project to project depending on it starts with the the script um, and first impressions Um, sometimes they'll just something will pop into my head Uh, you know I'll read oh it's set in such and such a location and an idea will come to mind sometimes I'm just searching through books I have a lot of reference books, uh, photographs, architecture, um, monographs, you know, just, I'm just looking for ideas, mm-hmm. and I don't know what, I don't know what the, I, what I'm looking for a lot of times. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for something that triggers uh, an emotion or a response, so. Yeah. And, um, Earlier you mentioned, you know, when you were first brought on, it was just to do Daredevil Season yeah. 1, with, you know, not necessarily looking towards an eye towards the future series. Right. But once you did Daredevil Season 1, what was it that made you want to stay within this world, and not just stay within it, but continue with it? I'm sure you've been working on this for close to three years now, Yeah, but when, by the time we wrap, it'll be almost three years. Yeah, I mean, what is it about these projects that sort of kept you coming back and kept you wanting to do more? And, and mind you, I from the very beginning, I wanted to do all five. Oh, okay. I didn't know, but I was only hired for the first one. There was no promise, you know, that, okay, you're on for the long ride. Um, so we just focused on the first one. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely, I wanted to do all five. Um, and what keeps me coming back is the subject matter. Um, I, the approach that we take on these superheroes. Uh, you know, I mean, we use this term a lot. I guess you use maybe a little too much, but we like to feel that these are very grounded. You know, that that this is not a world of super technology and, and visuals. And it's our people exist in our in, in the New York that's here and now. You know, yeah. it's uh, you shouldn't feel like you're in a different world. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the scenery I've gotten to do on these. I mean, has been really, really a gift. Um, Matt Murdock's apartment, um, Nelson and Murdock, um, alias investigations, um, the 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 um, uh, decommissioned Center for Disease Control where Kilgrave was imprisoned. Right. You know, these are some and, and Harlem's Paradise. And as I mentioned, I think in a previous podcast, um, the upcoming. Uh, Iron Fist, there are a couple of sets in there, which I just, you know, for most TV shows, would never have gotten a chance to do something like this. I, I was struck, uh, one of the very first things that struck me the first time I ever saw any footage from uh, any of our shows, uh, some of the first things I saw was actually um, some of the footage of Matt in his apartment from the, the first couple of episodes. And I always loved, and I assume I can thank you for this, the detail of the fact that there were those flashing neon lights that would sort of like come on to him. And I just loved the detail of like him, a blind man, having these sort of like colors thrown at him and not realizing it. Well, I wish I could take credit for that, but that was actually scripted. Ah! It was um, in episode one, it was, it was part of the justification as to why... He had this kind of huge, you know, apartment. Like yeah. no one wanted to live there because of the constant barrage of, <laughs> of color. So uh, that was not. That makes sense. Yeah, that was not our. Uh, that was not my my input. That was the Drew Goddard actually who wrote the the original. But you know, but someone had to execute it, and you executed it very. No, well. actually, I did. <laughs> <laughs> you gave it. No, that. that was the camera department. Ah. <laughs> um. I'm curious about specifically about Defenders because even though it is you know a first season, um, a lot of the elements, a lot of the the stages and and scenes and everything, they use sets that you've previously constructed previously mm-hmm. come up with for uh, the first four series. Does coming into Defenders, does it feel like? coming into the first season of a show or does it sort of feel like coming into the second season of four different shows smashed together that one <laughs> <laughs> uh, it does like after doing five of these in a row it's and and even though each character is new well not each character is new you know Luke Cage was introduced in Jessica Jones but um, uh, they have been new shows for sure but there definitely feels like there's a continuation of something. Mm-hmm. So Defenders um, definitely feels like four other shows that we're trying to meld together. And you know, we put up um, uh, Alias Investigations, the apartment and hallway and everything that had been in storage. And I have to say, when we first put it up, oh, and Matt Murdock's that had been in storage too. Mm-hmm. When we first put it up, it, it was kind of nostalgic. I found it a bit nostalgic <laughs> to walk through there going, 
oh yeah, yeah, I like this set. You know, it's just it felt good. It was like yeah. putting on kind of like an old pair of slippers, you know, a little bit. Uh, and there's a comfort level there. You talked too about how you know there was a, a specific look, a specific feel to you know, let's say Hell's Kitchen in Daredevil and Jessica Jones, and Harlem in Luke Cage, and you know the Upper East Side or the corporate world in Iron Fist. Um, how to you does uh, Defenders have a unique tone or or? visual style to it from those previous four or is it is it more in line with because i know a lot of the series takes place in hell's kitchen is it just more an extension of uh daredevil and jessica jones the work i I think it i think it's got a its own look and i think it uh no this let me ask you this we're doing this now before defenders is released can i talk about what's in defenders Sure. Um, if if uh, if you can't, we'll cut it out. <laughs> okay. Right. Um, you know, I think what gives it, what actually sets it a bit apart, is the hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're in the hand, the world of the hand, a lot. So this is like a new character, a new look that we've introduced. Um, so I think that will be an interesting aspect of it. You'll recognize Matt Murdock's, of course, and Alias Investigations, and the dojo from Iron Fist, and then you've got the hand, and they they're kind of in their own environment. How would you how would you describe that environment? Because I know you know, for instance, Hell's Kitchen, you know what what that environment looks like. Harlem, same thing, Upper East Side. But the hand is this completely fictional. You know, like there is no default. Like, oh, I can go look at photos of this area. How would you describe the hand's environment and uh, that from a production design? I think one thing I was trying to get across uh, whenever we're in the hand environment is that they are um, uh, they're a clandestine group. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they no one knows they're there. So their environments I hope suggest anonymity mm-hmm. uh, and removal from, from prying eyes. Even, even with Midland Circle which is their rather public facade mm-hmm. Uh, there's a scene in there where the windows all have a metal screen over them, you know, just for privacy and security, and you know, keep out keep out unwanted visitors. So I think it's that kind of approach is that you'll, you'll I think you'll feel it in there in those sets. Which is interesting because you talked about uh, earlier. Was the scene you talked with the women of Marvel? You talked about how uh, Harold Meacham's uh, or yeah, Harold, Harold, yeah, Harold yeah. sorry, I keep on, in yeah. my head, mixing up Harold and Ward Meacham. Right. Harold Meacham, his apartment was sort of, uh, he was removed yeah. from the world. Yeah. And in the same way, the hand is kind of removed from the world exactly. in that, like, nobody wants to notice them. But exactly. those two environments are so different from yeah. one another. Well, but Harold was brought back by the by, hand. By the hand, yep. So, in, in, in a way, he's sort of a, an extension of that um, that um, need to, to be hidden away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, how would you say, because there's also, while there's that anonymity and wanting to uh, stay hidden, there's also such a 
refinement to the hand in their world. Like, obviously, yeah. uh, with, like, you know, Alexandra, she's very uh, sophisticated. They're very all, they're all culture. They're all, yeah. you know, they've been around for thousands of years. Yeah. And they've learned a few things. You know, so. <laughs> Just a few. Just a few. Um, so, yeah, they're very, they're, they're like a very uh, uh, sophisticated, self-possessed uh, group of bad yeah. people. Yeah, I, I just like the, normally you imagine, you know, secret evil organizations and they're plotting in some, like, underground sewer bunker or something, and then you've got this group that is plotting on the top level of a skyscraper in this elegant conference room. Well, you'll find a little bit of a bunkerish um, um, kind of feeling to some of, the, some of their locales. Yeah. Yeah. Not sewer quite, but, you know, because, I mean, look, even if they were in a sewer, they would have cleaned it up. You know, it, it, <laughs> it would have been the nicest it sewer. It would have damn nicest sewer you have ever seen. Yes. You, could, you could eat caviar yes. off the floor <laughs> in that sewer. Yes. You know, <laughs> that's the hand, man. They don't, you know, they don't mess around. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I, I think... Uh, that's that's a great place to sort of wrap things up. Right. Uh, of course, you mentioned earlier on the other podcast, uh, people can find you on social, on Twitter. Yep, at L Weeks, W-E-E-K-S, at L Weeks Design. Great. And of course, I don't, I don't know how familiar you are, but there's a great Daredevil artist named Lee Weeks. Yes. So when you say... We, fo- we follow each other. <laughs> so yeah, when you say L Weeks Design, all I can think of is like, yeah. oh, you do fall from... Yeah. Gra- oh, yeah. wait, no, different. Yeah. But, yeah. No, we, we reached out and we were like, uh, are we related? No, I don't think so. <laughs> we, we did sort of say, okay, next New York Comic Con, maybe we'll, we'll try to, to meet. Wait, the nerd in me also instantly wants to correct myself. Lee Weeks did not... Draw Fall from Grace. Lee Weeks drew Last Rites. Just want to correct that for all the nerds <laughs> listening. Don't want my credit ruined. Anyway. All right. Well, thank you so much You're for joining us, sir. My pleasure. Thank you. Okay. All right. That's it, everybody. Make sure to catch the Defenders. Um, I want to thank Melissa, Sean, Henry, and the rest of the teams over at Netflix and Marvel TV. Uh, thank you for listening. And this is Marvel, your universe. Thank you.